0: Fraternities all around us are turbocharging the careers of less competent men. Male bosses and male-dominated workplaces consistently fail to recognize and elevate female talent. Rewards and promotions go to those who put in long hours. Men can take advantage of this system because they are emancipated by women who continue to shoulder the burden of social reproduction at home. Thus, the contemporary system of employment is predicated on the domestic gender division of labour. Entrenching their first mover advantage, the male nomenclatura tends to disregard women's expertise and resist family-friendly reforms. So, if you really want to level the playing field, it's time to smash the fraternity. Welcome to Rockin' Your Priors. I'm your host, Dr. Alice Evans. Now, patriarchy has persisted for thousands of years. As long as women were lumbered with domestic drudgery and trapped in family farms, there was little escape. In Europe, men consolidated their advantage by establishing guilds that monopolized lucrative ventures and locked women out. Men's dominance was entrenched by a plethora of fraternal orders in government, the judiciary, religion, medicine, and universities. Vulnerable women, with weaker social capital, struggled to protect themselves from persecution. And as Catholic and Protestant churches sought to demonstrate their superior power over satanic witchcraft, they burnt women in their thousands. The Enlightenment heralded great transformation. Europe and North America became more scientific, secular and democratic. Inventors, entrepreneurs and artisans thronged to discuss great discoveries. As peers praised innovation, others eagerly experimented and gained prestige. Taverns and coffee houses became hotbeds of collaborative creativity and political debate. Saloons were surprisingly conducive to patents. Members gained tremendous insider benefits. Freemasons amassed knowledge, respectability, and elite patronage. Clubs also went to court to protect members' reputations, enabling them to take far greater risks in the public sphere. If you grant that this rich associational sphere catalyzed innovations, surely you accept that women were disadvantaged through their forced exclusion. 95% of Enlightenment associations in England were male. The exceptions include London's blue-stocking gatherings and female debating societies, as well as Dutch women's Masonic lodges and scientific societies. But... However gifted or determined, their contributions were generally derided. Brilliant women toiled in solitude, while men's advances were amplified on megaphones. Economic growth in the 20th century eroded gender inequalities, seeing growing returns to skilled work, parents invested in education, Contraception, infant formula, electricity and washing machines were time-saving engines of liberation. Then, as divorces soared in the 1970s, many women ceased to rely on a male breadwinner. From housewife to career girls, many pursued growing opportunities in medicine, business, public administration and law. Shifts in demand and supply are not the whole story, however. Friendships and activism forged feminist consciousness. When bullied at work or unsupported at home, a woman turns to her friends. They empathise, lambast unfairness and celebrate shared victories. At West Point in the 1980s, women were far more likely to advance if they had female peers. So too in STEM today, female peers increase women's chances of graduation. And as more women thrived in traditionally masculine domains, others ceased to presume them less intelligent. Continued progress is not inevitable. Despite advances in education, women remain trapped in lower status, lower paid employment. The same old medieval barriers, care burdens and fraternal capital, scupper 21st century progress. As long as social reproduction is outsourced to women, they tend to choose, in commas, university courses and career paths that are compatible with care. But even when mothers apply for managerial roles, Europe and North American employers tend to discriminate. Fathers incur no such penalty. Gender, not race, is also the primary cause Of black women's lower earnings. Men are uniquely able to capitalise on higher paying jobs with longer hours. And so they leapfrog up the career ladder. Yet regardless of productivity, men are more likely to be promoted. If their immediate boss is a man. So. What's. Impairing men's judgment, why are they so blinkered to women's expertise? Male bonding is part of the story, building respect and trust. Homosocial schmoozing, talking about sports and sharing smoke breaks, accounts for over a third of the gender pay gap at one Asian bank. Likewise in US Big Oil, where women comprise 38% of entry-level posts, but only 10% of executives, one woman explained, the men at upper management were quite comfortable making seat-of-the-pants decisions together. They had lunch together, played golf together, trusted each other. If someone is going to make a seat-of-the-pants decision, the, others guy, the other guy is going to say, fine. But a woman comes in and tries to make a seat-of-the-pants decision. Same process, same gut kind of thing you're not going to be trusted. You're not going to be believed. Now here is another important dimension. Men gain strength in numbers. Many observers have argued that there are innate differences in gender preferences for STEM. Confident in their success and eyeing higher pay, men disproportionately flock to computing, engineering and economics. But This cannot explain subsequent career trajectories. Compared to other sectors, women who graduate in STEM are far more likely to leave. Instead, small initial differences in preferences have enabled men to establish gatekeeping dominance. In male-majority undergraduate classes, men speak for longer, interrupt more frequently, and are much more assertive. Lone women lack influence. Even when women achieve top grades in physical sciences, the male majority rarely rate them as knowledgeable or want to study together. Sexism exists in STEM long before the motherhood penalty kicks in. Compared to other professions, STEM typically offers flexible hours, short work weeks, parental leave, and is not exceptionally time pressured. That shouldn't make it more compatible with motherhood. So why do qualified women exit in droves? The fraternity is the problem. In Norway and North America, male-majority workplaces hemorrhage female talent. This fact alone explains STEM's exceptionally leaky pipeline. Wherever men predominate, like San Francisco's tech firms, women face a gauntlet of hostile scrutiny. In entirely male municipal Italian councils, female mayors are less likely to survive their term. Anticipating low support... Women are often reluctant to put themselves forward as leaders of male majority teams. Their contributions are dismissed and derided, while men free ride on fraternal capital. When a female economist co-authors with men, it does not improve her career prospects. She gets zero credit. Meanwhile, men's contributions to group works are recognized and ultimately rewarded with tenure. Sociology, curiously, has no such bias. Though historically male-dominated, women are now 60% of PhDs and have built a more egalitarian culture. Professor Judith Seltzer recalled, When I first arrived at UCLA 20 years ago, one of my senior colleagues, a very distinguished sociologist of women's employment, told me that when she joined the faculty, it was so unusual for a woman to be a professor that people often thought she was a secretary for one of her male colleagues. That mistake would not happen today. Hmm. And here's another question. What blocks family-friendly workplaces? Mothers, as compared to fathers, are much more likely to feel burnt out, be reluctant to even discuss burnout, worry they will be judged for working flexibly, and fear that remote work will jeopardise their career prospects. As chronicled in a recent McKinsey survey of 423 US and Canadian companies, these concerns are heightened when women are alone, encircled by male colleagues. But... If mothers are too anxious to even ask for flexible work, what hope is there for reform? Pharmacy is an exception, however. Once male-dominated, it has become more female-friendly, thanks to three structural shifts. First, large pharmacy chains like CVS, hospitals and mail-order companies have replaced independent drug stores. Second, improved technology and insurance coverage mean that any pharmacist can access client records. A third important shift is product standardization. So as a result of these three, of these commercial, technological, and organizational changes, pharmacists can now substitute for each other. This means that women can work part-time with no loss in pay. The gender pay gap has narrowed. But note, This this best-case scenario of egalitarian transformation did not result from male managers' enlightened self-interest. New question? Why is sexual harassment rarely punished? The darkest side of fraternal capital is a violent culture of impunity. Sexual harassment remains rife in male-dominated industries and under male management. Whether it is US gymnastics, campus fraternities, the UK police force, or the Catholic Church, organisations that protect perpetrators encourage further assaults. Simone Biles articulated it perfectly, I quote, I blame Larry Nassar, and I also blame an entire system that enabled and perpetrated is abuse. She's calling out the fraternity. Okay, let me summarize. Fraternal capital perpetuates male dominance. Men's first mover advantage has been entrenched through 21st century organizational practices, lucrative long hours and unaffordable childcare, homosocial schmoozing between male bosses and juniors, near impunity for sexual harassment, And the marginalization of lone women. How can we level the playing field? What about more workplace flexibility? Yes, mothers could then work longer hours, but they typically anticipate resistance from male-majority nomenclatura. So as long as there are sufficiently qualified men, eager to demonstrate dedication through long hours, Managers need not accommodate caregiving. Lacking hope for reform, lone women are far more likely to leave. Workplaces become more egalitarian when their gender composition changes, as women gain strength in numbers and seniority. Avenues to this end include subsidised childcare, much more flexible and, and substitutable remote work, as well as gender quotas or payroll cuts for female management. Labour shortages could help boost women's bargaining power, so long as their jobs aren't automated or usurped by men. But unless we smash the fraternity, our organisations will continue to power charge less competent men. Thank you very much. I'm Dr Alice Evans. Thank you for listening.